A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. Wow, it's already the end of July. A lot of children and teenagers will go back to school within a month. So now parents may wonder what parents can do to help children adjust their sleep time back to school time. I can tell you the trick is start right now. But how? Today, we have Dr. Schneeberg from Yale University, and she is a sleep expert for children and adolescents. She will share some wonderful tips for parents to follow step by step and help children adjust back to school time starting right now. Hi, Dr. Schneeberg. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Hi, how are you? It's so nice to be here. Yeah, glad to have you back. So I know you are expert for children's teenagers sleep. And actually, I did get a lot of questions from parents. You know, now is summer vacation time. A lot of parents talking about their children, their teens have a totally different schedule. They stay up late, get up late, which is fine. It's summertime. But now I think at least in California, all the children, teenagers are going to go back to school within one month. Yes. Now parents are really panicking. What they should do? Will they be able to wake up their children on time after school started? So I want to discuss that with you to say, uh, have you noticed similar things? Any suggestions for parents? Sure. So I always joke, you know, people that do taxes are busy in April and people that do sleep are busy in the beginning of August, right? <laughs> that's when all the parents realize, wow, we've really let the schedule slip a bit. And now we need to kind of roll it back in in time for the school year. Um, so what I usually say to folks is, you know, you really want to start thinking about what's that rise time that you're going to need at the end of August. And then, of course, start to work your way back to that. And I think the easiest way is to focus on the rise time because you can't really make a child go to sleep at, this, at a certain time, but you can help them wake up at a certain time and you can begin moving it back by about 15 minutes every few days, 15 minutes, 15 minutes until you arrive at that school day rise time that they're going to need at the end of August. Oh, I like that. So we always talk about morning rise time is the anchor of the day. Is so just a little bit question there. Some parents think, well, waking up children or teenagers in the morning is not that easy. <laughs> what do parents normally do? Anything effective? Sure, and they are right about that. It is very hard. So there are a few things that set, you know, your brain clock, your circadian clock, and the three most important ones are activity, some physical activity. It can be really mild activity. You know, it could be stretching or a little walk to the mailbox and back, or walking the dog, and then sunlight exposure. So getting outside, you know, pretty close to the rise time. And then having a meal, even if it's small, you know, for a teenager, even if it's a protein shake or something really simple, a little cup of yogurt, anything, 
because we know that all our organs have clocks, right? We know that now and your stomach has a clock and when something shows up, right? It realizes, oh, it must be morning. It tells your brain that it's morning. And so as you're moving that rise time back, it's really smart for any age, but especially teenagers to have that activity, that sunlight exposure and that food. Those are great tips. Hopefully parents listen to this and remember to apply them. Well, and for teenagers, there's one more thing. If there's some sort of payoff for getting up, right? Like their friend comes over to play basketball or their friend comes over to go out to, you know, have breakfast or something. So I also add rewards. So activity, sunlight, food, and some kind of reward is awfully nice to get them up. Right. Yeah. I can already imagine those kind of natural reward or whatever teenager really care about, right? Can just step up. <laughs> yeah. They care about their peers. So that really helps. Yeah. Great. Great. So morning time sounds like really important and we can totally work the way back a little bit by little bit. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we still have time. There's still time before school starts. And if parents already worked um, for the morning time, does that mean they don't have to care about the bedtime at all? Yeah, so another great point. So I think you should work it from both ends, right? So you're gonna work on the rise time in the way we talked about. And then as you move the rise time, the bedtime starts to move, but it follows the rise time. Just as you said, the rise time is the anchor of the day. And as your brain realizes, oh, I'm getting up at 8.30 now instead of 8.45, then your bedtime will slide as well, right? But there are ways to make that bedtime go more smoothly because if you are going to put your child in bed 15 minutes earlier, let's say, you know, knowing that at the beginning, they're not going to fall asleep right away, then I'm a big believer in what I call the bedtime basket, which means that next to the child's bed, you put a little basket of activities, picture books, books, um, little toys, drawing pads, those fun little drawing pads where you draw and you push a button and they erase automatically, um, coloring books. And so you might go ahead and finish your routine, tuck them in, say goodnight, and then they might say, I'm not tired, mom, or it's still light out, dad. And you can say, I know, but you can use your basket to relax with in your bed with your reading light until you're drowsy. And then at least they have the opportunity for sleep, right? And if they're drowsy and the routine's over, they might just drop off. Or they might do what a lot of adults do. They might relax in their bed for a few minutes with a book or something until they truly are drowsy enough to go to sleep. Oh, sounds like parents can use this kind of a bedtime basket to really help uh, their kids to feel soothing and to entertain themselves, sounds like, ready to sleep. Exactly, because if a child's bored in bed, you're going to see them again, right? They're going to show up in the living room. You know, or they're going to call you for the variety of excuses, right? Could you look under my bed? Could you open the closet door? I would like ice for my water. I forgot to hug the dog or whatever it is, right? You're going to hear from them and see them again. Um, I always call them, I always call those extra requests. I call them callbacks and curtain calls, right? So they're either calling you back or they're showing up in the living room to make a curtain call. And the basket really helps with that. Wow. Yeah, totally, totally. I have clients who are moms talk about their kids, always have all kinds of reasons. Oh, mom, my hand hurts. Can you kiss it a little bit? Oh, mom, I want water a little bit. Can you give me another story? <laughs> Sounds exactly what you mentioned. <laughs> so true. 
they're very, very creative. There's one other trick for that. And that's called the bedtime ticket idea, right? So you make two little tickets out of anything. They could be index cards, post-it notes. They could be poker chips. They could be anything. And when the routine's over and you're tucking them in with their basket, you give them two little chips or two little tickets. And then when they call you back, you know, and say, my left foot itches, you know, you say, okay, I can help you with that, but that costs a ticket. Or I forgot to hug the dog. You know, you can bring the dog in for a hug, but that costs a ticket. And after you spent your two tickets, you're out of tickets. And then you are meant to just use your basket until you're drowsy. So that's another really great way to set a little bit of li gentle limits on those extra requests. Oh, cool. I really like it. So the basket can combine with the ticket. Yes. And that sounds like a really a structured way, right? So parents know what to do, what to follow, and kids have expectation. Yeah, they know, right? And if you if you preceded all of that with a bedtime chart, you know, that shows the five things you do before you get into the bed. So snack, bath, tea, bathroom, we read two books together. Then you land in the bed. Then you have your basket. You have your tickets. Kids know, oh, wow, this is what they always do. They never change it. They start at the same time. They finish with the same step. And you really do get into a really nice groove when you have a really smooth running plan like that. And your child is much more likely to go ahead and, and give it up and fall asleep. Oh, awesome. I feel like kids' brain possibly really like this kind of routine. They do. They love to know what to expect, you know, and when the party's over, so to speak, right? When the day's over. Yeah. Oh, cool. So it will this basket and ticket method works for kids across all ages? Really preschool and up, right? Because a preschool child could play with a couple of toys or, you know, little figures or something. They could look at a picture book with a really soft light, you know, just a really soft reading light. Um, they could draw a little bit. And then as you get older, you're probably going to be reading more likely. Then I have a lot of high school kids I work with who don't really like to read, but they love to draw. So that basket can be really customized for age and preferences and personalities. Wow. So it sounds like parents really need to be creative and uh, know their kids well and decide what to put into the basket. Yes, and you've led me to one more point. It shouldn't be the most interesting basket ever, <laughs> but it shouldn't be boring either. You know, we usually, I say to parents that I work with, you know, adults with insomnia, I'll say, you know, don't read the bestseller and don't read the phone book. You know, read something in the middle that's just interesting enough that you're not bored, but you're likely to give it up to go to sleep if you're drowsy. I like that. <laughs> Don't read the bestseller or the phone book. Right. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine for teenagers, don't give them exciting video game right before bedtime. Exactly, sort of have to titrate it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, wow, so I'm wondering, have you noticed any challenges parents encounter when they're trying to incorporate these wonderful techniques? Yes. So one thing that I hear a lot is what do I do if I have kids of two different ages, right? What do I do if the room is too light and bright? Those sorts of things. And those are all fixable. You just have to sort of tailor, again, the bedtime routine, tailor the basket, maybe try blackout curtains, one child maybe has a little bit earlier bedtime than the other one, so they're really almost settled before the next one comes. And then for teenagers, the challenge is always the screens. 
you know. So having kind of a family rule that those charge somewhere else for everybody, right? And um, then they can use those, you know, whatever their teenage preferences are, books, drawing pads, whatever it might be. Right. Talk about screens. I just remember a lot of Chinese parents actually ask me, uh, their kids put up fight when they try to uh, set the boundaries to take away the screen before bedtime. Then I'm wondering, is there any like suggestions or is that common thing for parents? Yes. So I have one thing that I say to the parents, which is remember that if you let your child go into their bedroom and into their bed with screens, you're you're letting a lot of possible things happen that are not great, like cyber bullies. Really, there's a lot of access from that screen to your child at night. So I encourage them to remember that. And then I think it's really hard for all of us, isn't it, to turn off the show and go to bed. It's better if the screens go off and then there's a really great snack that everybody sits around and has, and then you go into the routine. So you're sort of disconnecting from screens earlier in the routine and really before the routine, right? So earlier in the evening, then move into snack, maybe a game, routine, you know, finish up the bath, the teeth, the bathroom, the books, so that you're not taking the screen as the last thing. Yeah, that's great strategy. And then, so when we talk about going back to school, how to help children to transit, how long do parents normally have to experience this, you know, work backwards? Should they leave like one month, like start right now, or they should they can still wait for one to two weeks. A month is perfect. It really is because it lets you go bit by bit, right? And you don't have to make this huge change, you know, a week or two before school starts. Sometimes as much as two hours, isn't it? Right? They might be getting up at nine, and and they might have to get up at seven or even more. You know, getting up at ten, they'll have to get up at six a.m. So. The longer you have to prepare, the easier on your body it is, really. Do you do you recommend parents like talk to their kids about the rationales behind it or just, okay, that's what I say, do it? Yeah, I love it if they talk to them and maybe they even map it out on the calendar together, right? Because kids love ownership. So you can get the, you know, old fashioned calendar pages right up to the school day. And you can say, oh, look, one week before you ought to be around here, one week before that you ought to be around here. And and you can kind of get some ownership that way. You can get some ownership too by what should be in the basket, you know, all that. There's a lot of ways you can involve the kids in this, which improves, I think, their ability to go along with it. Wow. I love the way you encourage parents to empower the, the kids in this process. A lot, I think a lot of adults and children think they cannot control sleep. It's something, you know, just uh, it happened naturally. I cannot control it at all. I cannot fall asleep. I cannot get up. But sounds like I like your approach, really how people understand there, you know, you can do something about it. You can sleep as a skill, right? You can learn how to be a better sleeper for sure. And most uh, good sleepers get up around the same time every morning, seven days a week. So that's one more thing we haven't touched on yet, but they should really stick with this plan, you know, seven days a week if they possibly can. Wow. I know that's a challenge for most 
kids, especially teenagers, weekend is kind of like sleep in time. It's very hard. There's a there's a concept called school plus two. So that concept is once you find your school day rise time, you wouldn't sleep in more than two more hours on the weekend once you're adjusted, right? So once you're adjusted to your new school day rise time, then in September, October, and so on, you would try not to sleep in more than two more hours on Saturday and Sunday. Wow, I like that. School plus two. Then I think a lot of kids would argue, well, I am losing sleep during the week, right? Then I'm I need to catch up my sleep. Will that really help kids to catch up their sleep if they sleep a lot during the weekends? It really doesn't help you catch up because your body does this amazing thing, right? If you're short of sleep one night, the very next night, your body adjusts the percentages of light sleep, deep sleep, and dream sleep. And it increases the percentages of the more important sleep, the dream sleep, and the deep sleep until you're completely caught up. So your body is caught up long before the weekend ever arrives, right? Your brain is amazing and it figures out what it should do to catch you up. So when you sleep in so much on the weekend, A, you don't need it, and B, you really confuse the brain clock about what is your rise time, right? So there's not a lot of benefit in that long sleep on the weekend. Ah, that's great to know. Hopefully parents listen to this and I know there's quite a lot of young people listen to this podcast and hopefully this can really ring a bell to everyone about how to adjust different day, how to be more consistent throughout the week. Yeah, I hope so too. Cool. Yeah. So um, near the end of our conversation, so I know you had a book, which we talked about on the podcast a while ago. So do you want to mention your wonderful book? I don't know whether you have any new books coming out. So this is my book for parents of kids three to 10, right? Become your child's sleep coach. Is that facing the right way for you or yeah. is it? That's yeah, great. 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 And so what I always say about this book is I really do think that parents are fantastic sleep coaches for their kids, for the reasons you touched on. They really know their children. They know what makes them tick. And so they make fantastic sleep coaches. And I have this five-step plan that helps them really work through those issues of sleep that their children might be having, prepare the child's room, design a really great bedtime routine, teach the child to self-comfort as the parent works their way out, manage those callbacks and curtain calls that we talked about a minute ago, those extra requests, and then figure out what to do at night when your child wakes, you know, what, what kind of support are you going to provide? So those are the steps. I like it. I really like your book because it's so clear step-by-step. And what's more wonderful about that is parents learn these skills and really apply this. Then they don't have to being tangled in the struggle day after day, right? If there's no routine, no method, parents possibly gonna sacrifice their own time, do this battle with kids all the time. It's so true. There's such a long, beautiful payoff, right? When everyone's sleeping well in the house, isn't that the best feeling ever? That's just the best thing. And the book is sort of tailored all the way from three-year-olds all the way up to late elementary. And then luckily today we covered a lot about adolescence, which is great. 
Yeah, that's wonderful. So I will put the link to the show notes for sure at deepintosleep.co. So at the end, Dr. Schneeberg, any last wisdom you want to share with all the parents who are listening, who are anxious about back to, t- uh, back to school time? Hi. So what I always remind parents to teach their kids is to really value sleep. It's just one of the most important parts of your health. It's really a foundation of health. And that sleep is really the great fuel that you're putting in your car, right? It helps you socially, academically, behaviorally, in every way, mood, you know, in every way that we care about, sleep makes you better. So I do always ask parents to really teach their kids to value their sleep. Awesome. I think this not only good for kids when they are younger, but also I'm sure they can benefit when they get older. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Schneeberg, for sharing all these wonderful tips with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on again. Have a great day. You too. So after today's episode, are you ready to give it a try? Leave me a message. Let me know what you have tried, what works for you, what not. At the end of this show, I just want to make an announcement. My insomnia treatment course has been launched online. There is a longer version, four weeks long, CBT for insomnia treatment in Chinese. You can find it at mindbodygarden.com course slash CBTI. I also have another cheaper online course to improve your sleep quality if you don't have severe insomnia and you just look for some quick tips to help you adjust your sleep, make it better. It's also in Chinese and the website is mindbodygarden.com slash course slash sleep. So we have a lot of great guests lined up for the rest of this year. By the end of this year, Deep Into Sleep podcast will reach episode 100. Yeah, it's a long journey. I so appreciate your support, your listening. Thank you for wonderful you liking this show. Please feel free to let your friends, let your family know about this podcast. If they have any questions about sleep, hopefully they can find some answers, learn something new here. I'm your host, Ishan. Have a wonderful, wonderful summer. I will see you in two weeks. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia.